Before you start listening to this podcast, please remember the opinions you're about to listen to are off a died in the wheel Celtic supporters who eat, sleep, breathe and live for Celtic Football Club. They didn't just form these opinions overnight or knee-jerk them from results or performances. It's because they're always evolving their opinions and at the end of the day, it's our life.
down. Shut the car up slowly. As far back as I can remember, Celtic have never built on a position of strength. In the early 80s, we had a great side, packed full of great strikers and great midfield players, but just lacking the defenders to really push us into the European spectrum. And what did we do? In 1983, we sold our biggest and best asset for a paltry fee, £750,000. And we know now he didn't even want to go. Cut to 1988. We've come back from the Huns winning the league for the first time in nine years. We've won a centenary double. We've got a great experienced team on the pitch. We're going to go back into the European Cup. We need a few mere signings to complement the ones we've already got. And what do we do? We sign three goalkeepers. Hamish McAlpine, Alan Ruff, and fucking Ian Andrews. And from then on in, it's always been the same. Cut to Seville in 2003. You know, you're watching one of the best Celtic teams ever and you're like, let's go for it. Let's have a real kick at the, kick at the Champions League. What happens? We sign Michael Gray on loan. And here we are now, back in the old routine. What is going wrong with Celtic right now? What has been going wrong with Celtic for years? I feel like I've been banging this drum for at least a decade, possibly more. However, let's see where we are now. First, we've got a squad that is just not as good as it was last year. Palma is not Jota. We don't have Aaron Moy digging in in the midfield and running the show. Oh, is never as good as Jackie Marcus. Hart seems to be fading by every passing game. We have a stack of players right now that are just not good enough and we're trying to rely on them, either starting them or I'm coming off the bench. We've gone backwards as a squad. There's no doubt about that. That's why a treble winning squad last season, which is not really the new because we've had too many changes, is now coming unstuck on a weekly, twice-weekly basis these days. Earlier in the season, we were getting away with late winners and stuff. It seems to have fallen away now. Like the Emperor has no clothes. On top of that, we've got a manager who just does not play to the strengths of the squad that he's got. We've got players like Kyogo, who was brilliant last season, just not clicking anymore. Don't know if his head's been turned or what, or he'll be the next one out the door. Who knows? But he's not the only one. We just do not have the right tactics for the players we've got right now. And whether that's because we don't have the right players for the tactics that manager wants to play, doesn't even matter right now because that's the players you've got and that's the decision he made earlier this season was to pick up this squad and take in these players and run with it. If that wasn't the right one, that's on him, nobody else. The only player we seem to be getting in here right now is Matt O'Reilly and he can't keep doing it every single game. We need other players to step up and we're not doing it. I'm not even convinced his heart's in it, to be honest, when it comes to Brendan Rodgers. I'm just, I don't get it. I, he came in promising all sorts about wanting to kick on in Europe and then we've not really shown anything that would make me think we're going to do that. We can't even kick on domestically right now. So, the, the man that we had first time round doesn't seem like the man we've got this time round. It's just the fire's not there. And I don't know if that'll ever come back. I hope it does, if he's going to be around long term, but... We shall see. But ultimately, for me, the problem is above that. It's at the board. 
we have a Desmond Lowell dynasty. So thanks, Fergus. And the way that you sold the club back to the fans, you did it in such a way that now they've been sold actually to a few big shareholders like Desmond, who gets to do whatever he wants with the club. Despite the fact he doesn't have a lot of them with the club, but he wants to get us into England, and as that's where the money is. And while we're in Scotland, nah, who cares? That's the attitude he seems to have had for the last 20 years. So, actually, we seem to be in an even worse position than we used to be, because I don't think the guys in charge of the club right now get what Celtic is the same way the Kellys and the Whites did. They were useless, to be honest, but still, at least they understood the concept of Celtic. Now, the guys that are in there pretend that they do, but they clearly don't. I mean, the only part of the club that seems to work roughly like it should be is the charity side at the foundation, but that's because it's the fans that do most of the work there. It's not the club. They're still tied to the club, which is why they can't really do it properly, but that's just, well, that's the micromanagement you get for Celtic these days. But the board have got, just, they don't understand the politics of Celtic. And you can say that we shouldn't have politics of Celtic all you want. Like, we do that, but you don't understand what the club was founded for. Politics has been in the Celtic since it was founded back in 1887, November 6th. It's been there for a start. What we've got now is a board trying to trample over that. And in doing so, they're just making more enemies among us. So if you try and kill that off, you're going to kill off Celtic. It's moronic. The thing is, like, they will claim that they try to run the club properly, but they don't even do that. They're not good at what they claim they're good at. We've got this concept of being able to bring in players on the cheap, build them up and sell them on for a profit. Now, there's other clubs around Europe do a good job of that, like your Benficas and your Ajax and... Teams like that can build these things up over time, sell on masses amount of players, and then do it again. The real proper way to do that is through the academy. But not only do we bring in duffers from left, right and centre, and then maybe sell on one or two of them at a profit, which is why your turnover manages to tick over anyway, the rest all then have to get basically thrown out, which is a total waste of money because we piss about in the two to three million pound bargain bins when actually the value's in the seven million pound one. You're better off getting one seven million pound than two or three, two to three million. Doesn't make any sense. The real proper way to do it is to do it through the academy, but that doesn't work either. The last time we had anybody come through the academy that we were able to sell them for a profit was Kieran Tierney. That goes back to Ronnie Dyler. How many managers have we had since then? The academy doesn't work right now. But we turn over a profit because, let's say, some of these things do work. We do bring in that odd player that we go, right, we can turn a profit on him. But we don't reinvest it properly. We, let's say, we spend two to three million pounds when we should spend seven. That's how, I mean, that's what Jota was. We got ridiculous amounts of money for Saudi Arabia for him. Had it not been for the Saudis, we probably still have sold him on for a decent amount of profit as well. You would hope Carter Vickers is going to eventually move on for a decent profit because he's the only decent defender we've got. Again, the £7 million bracket. We just don't do it properly. And the problem is, this is on a repeat cycle. We brought like, we, we brought in Gordon Strachan to replace Martin O'Neill and he was basically in to cut the budget down. Um, and he did it pretty well. And then... We had to somehow scramble around to replace off his team under Mowbray, and Mowbray made an arse there. So we then had to scramble around and replace half the team under Lennon. And he got there eventually, but then Lennon left, and Dyla had to come in and fix things a bit. And then Dyla left, and 
we had to scramble around and get Rogers to fix it, and he brought in likes of Scott Sinclair and things like that, but it worked really well. And it kind of ticked over until it didn't again, and then we got to Lennon again. And yet again, we got to the COVID season and then we had to completely rebuild under Ange Postacoglu, who did a great job of it. And now we seem to be slipping into exactly the same position yet again, where we're going to have to throw out half the squad because it's been built up with garbage that just doesn't click. We keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again and it is utterly ridiculous. They don't fix these problems either. They just... Because we're reiterating over the same thing over and over again, it's happening at a domestic level. We're able to get back to the right level at domestic level. European level has left us behind at this point. I mean, look across the city, right? In the last 20 years, since we beat Barcelona in the UEFA Cup in 2004, we have done nothing at the knockout stage. Absolutely nothing. And you can say, oh, we got like Milan and we got Juventus and... Well, we got Valencia at one point in the, Europe, in the Europa League. But there's been Bodo Glimt in there. There's been Copenhagen. We do not win these. Then you look across the city and you look at them getting to a European final, going bust, starting a brand new club in the fourth tier of Scottish football, coming up the ranks, losing to some pissy Luxembourg team, but then they've ultimately got to another European final. The Rangers fans have got to celebrate two European finals with two separate teams in the time we haven't even won a knockout stage. How have we got into that state? Because we go backwards. And that's not even counting the fact that we do it. We make a mess it against qualifiers as well. There's like Malmo and Sveranvaros and Maribor and Midgieland, well, a Danish club's called. How many times have we seen this? We just go backwards every time. You can't spend this 20 years in the making of this doing the same thing, making the same mistakes, getting into the same arguments, screwing up the same way and not ask what the common factor is. It's not the players. Most of the players for 2004 have retired. It's not the managers. We've been through a stack of them. The only people who are the constant across the 20 years are the fans and the board. It's the same people in the boardroom over 20 years. That's not even good from a corporate side of things. Corporate guidance will tell you you need to change the non-educator, the non-executive directors much more frequently than we do. We've had people there since like 2000. And if you think the fans haven't been doing their bit, let's look at that and all then, because the fans are the reason the turnover's high in the first place. The faith of the Celtic support gets milked to death by that board for every single penny we have. We bring in Ticket sales, we sell out season tickets, we have three new strips every year, it's 70 quid a head, and then they release a couple of more strips just for kicks, because there's no milk is enough. We have these player of the year award things that we have at the Hydro. What do we get in return? Vilified. For daring to have an opinion that doesn't match theirs. They never defend us, for anything. We've had anti-Semitism scores this season. We always get the hypocritical, hypocritical UEFA fines. We have the over-officious policing and stewarding. What do we get out of the board? Nothing. But the minute somebody lights a flare for some atmosphere, can't get the statement out quick enough. We're not perfect, right? Well, I'm not going to pretend that fans are perfect. The Green Brigade, to some extent, hung themselves on the rope they were given. Some of the things they do is just asking to get picked up on and thrown it. Like opening the doors to their pals and things like that. That's, and we've seen videos that that actually happens. So they're not perfect, but they're not as bad as the board try to make them out to be. 
many of the other fans we've got are happy to swallow the stuff that they're told because, God forbid, we should spend too much money. We don't want to go bust like Rangers, which is absolute pish, but works with quite a lot of people. Some folk are just happy being dominant domestically. They're fine with that, which is okay. But, like I say, I've been moaning the bus for 20 years and compare that to other people who only moan when... Covid happens and we get that season not like it's happening now and people are getting louder. And the other thing is the atmosphere at Celtic Park is getting worse and worse. You can't take a corner at Celtic Park and imagine that the entire stadium goes quiet, as we've had in recent weeks. But that seems to be what happens. That that's a new thing. That's not because everyone's now relying on the Green Brigade. The fan mentality as a whole seems to have changed. That's changed about life game. Because I remember us being rotten in the 90s and the whole stadium was singing. So something's not right there. I don't know if it's the noisy folk are now priced out of the thing because it now costs a fortune to go to the other part in the 90s. So I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the problem is there, but there's certainly something not quite out of the atmosphere. And it's been commented on by quite a few people. What I do know is we have problems from top to bottom at Celtic right now. But it all stems from one source for me. We have to get rid of the people that are in charge of this club or we are just going to continue to be stuck in this cycle domestically and we will continue to fall backwards in Europe to be completely irrelevant if we're not there already. It's important to cut to the chase with these things and try and apply a little bit of logic. And it's really only important when talking about the board to talk about two people because they're the only ones that matter. There's the absentee landlord, Dermot Desmond, who has nothing but utter contempt for the fans, never turns up to an AGM and resists all kind of um, personal criticism, constructive or otherwise. He sends his son to AGMs to tell us that he's really committed to the club, he just can't make it, but the reality is the only time we see him is when he wants to promote his golf events. So... He basically then defers to Peter Lawwell, who um, unfortunately runs everything at Celtic, mostly which is pretty badly. Um, And it's actually incredible to think that an organisation and an institution like Celtic is run on the feelings of one man. So if he gets out the wrong side of bed one day, then we all suffer. There's no real point in mentioning the so-called double chief executives of Michael Nicholson and Chris Mackay, um, because they're puppets and they're also collaborators. They might say nothing, but we all know what happens to collaborators. The bottom line is, Peter Lowell needs to be removed from Celtic Football Club. It's something I've said for many, many years, pretty much for about a couple of months after I've met him. I've tried to sustain relationships with him for Yuri Celtic. Never, ever worked because he's a liar. He is one of the most two-faced people I've ever met in my entire life. He doesn't care one iota about Celtic, he just cares about himself and his own family. Hence his boy being in there completely out of his depth, his head of recruitment. And didn't forget his other son who runs open goal and got, you know, unlimited access to Ange Postacoglu and other Celtic players and all that to give it that kind of boost. Um, his nepotism's his thing. Um, he's a control freak and an egomaniac, which he cannot be. You have to delegate um, in these positions, and he doesn't have a clue how to do that. He also doesn't really have a clue how to run a football club. You know, this constant nonsense of buying projects and hoping one of them actually does anything 
is just a nonsense. You know, it's not <clears throat> going to a sustainable effort in terms of trying try to run a successful football club, hence being a laughing stock in the European f- stage since he's been at the club. And that that is the bottom line. We have done nothing. Whereas, the, I mean, you know, other teams in Scotland have done far, far better. And that is an embarrassment. You know, that's on him. I mean, but it's his constant interfering. It's his constant control freak um, nature. And it's the climate of fear that he's put on Celtic Football Club where employees are scared of the day they never saw. And they're, they see them shuffling about with their heads doing. And it, it just... For a club like Celtic to be like that is is embarrassing. And you look at Celtic and under his kind of stewardship, where we've had the stadium has had absolutely nothing done yet, bar disco lights that were a necessity from UEFA. We've got all that land around Celtic Park, what did they do? Building an executive car park. You know, there's nothing else here. There's no facilities for people. You've got a sports bar that's um, full when 300 people are in it. Um, and, and, and that's it. I mean, it, it, it comes down to the fact that in Peter Lowell's world, and Michael Nicholson's world, and Chris Mackay's world, and Dermot Desmond's world, none of these things apply. They didn't have to buy the stale pies and warm juice in the kiosks. They didn't have to fucking turn up three hours before a game to get a parking space. You know, they didn't have to contend with shitty public transport that goes miles away from the ground. You know, they just didn't have to contend. They have to pay for the exordinate prices that people have to pay to watch the rubbish they're putting out in the park. It doesn't apply, so they didn't care. So Celtic Football Club at the present uh, moment in time really look like a basket case. For my part, I'd like to start at the top with the board. The recent AGM showed the complete disregard that the people in charge, the custodians of our great club, the contempt that they have for the rest of us is palpable. Uh, before the AGM, they gave themselves a 63%, I believe, pay increase and justified it with a financial performance. Unfortunately, that financial performance is based on the back of a fan base who are extremely loyal and spend their money. Uh, Unfortunately, we have a board who have a complete disregard for investment in the infrastructure in the club and the playing team on the park. Uh, Unfortunately, our chairman has a malign influence over the club and the fact that he has his own idea I think based on the Brad Pitt film Moneyball that if you buy project players and sell them for a profit then that is a good way to run the business Uh, he has an attitude that if we're one step ahead of Sevco then that's good enough Uh, the club showed no ambition to improve in Europe uh, which has always been a prerequisite as a, a Celtic fan to gauge how far we've come. Uh, it's just not good enough from top, from the management team and the executive board. 
our non-executive chairman, uh, our absentee landlord, majority shareholder, Dermot Desmond, who in effect only has 35% of the shareholding, but has enough of a grasp of the rest of the financial investors to basically run it as he sees fit, his own personal fiefdom. In terms of infrastructure, the club hasn't modernised the stadium at all uh, since it was built uh, and finished back in the late 90s. We have kiosks that are totally cashless, where older people are reluctant to use uh, new technology like debit cards and stuff. They prefer to pay cash, so they've got a complete disregard for the older fan base. They have a complete unwillingness to engage with the fans at any realistic level and listen to what the fan base hopes and desires for the team, the club and their surroundings uh, actually involves. And that doesn't augur well when this board are in charge. That's now coming home to roost after Saturday where a sizeable uh amount of the Celtic fans turned their ire on those same people and let them know how they feel. In terms of the football department, uh, our chairman's son is in charge of recruitment. Uh, nepotism runs rife within the club in that regard. Our manager has inherited a team and I blame partly Ange Postacoglu for this who built a team that were totally involved in his system. They were built for his system and the players are unable to adapt on that. Now, Brendan Rodgers has his own idea on, ideas on how the game should be played and uh, these players are materially apart are totally incapable of adapting to that system. Case in point, Greg Taylor. Uh, one point on Saturday, I watched him wander over from the left-back position over to near enough the right-hand side of the park, uh, leaving Anthony Ralston back in his own half. And I thought to myself, what the hell are you doing out there? Uh, two seconds later, move breaks down, Greg Taylor totally out of position and that's my case in point these players are totally unwilling to adapt to a new style of play, they're unwilling to lift the tempo of the game uh, and it looks as if at least six or seven of that starting lineup just aren't interested at the moment which brings us again back to investment in January the rumblings are starting to come out through well-placed sources in the media like Stephen McGowan that a great deal of money won't be spent on this team to make it fit for purpose and Mr Lowell again his malign influence is being seen far and wide in that regard if Brendan Rodgers isn't backed with money to bring his players in to suit his style of play then this project is doomed from the start, which I feel is what Lowell wanted. There's obviously a complete lack of trust between Brendan Rodgers and Peter Lowell and has been since his first stint at the club. 
Now, I'm sure Brendan Rodgers wouldn't have come back unless he was given guarantees by Dermot Desmond that that would no longer be the case. But it's apparent that since Peter Lawwell has become chairman, that his influence over the whole affairs of the club are back to their malign, maleficent best. Uh, to me, this season is turning into a shit show. Uh, Many could have predicted it with Peter Lawwell's return. He thinks he knows better than anyone else. And unfortunately, on many occasions, that has been proven false. He doesn't know best. He hasn't got the foggiest how to run a football department. So, unfortunately for me, uh, I don't think I'll be renewing in the summer. I loved what Brendan Rodgers done for us in his first time. At Celtic, he introduced a level of professionalism among the players that lasted for pretty much two seasons. But bottom line is, the seeds he doubt were starting to come in by the third season, one of which he didn't complete and ended up going to Leicester City. And I didn't blame him for that because I know why he left. It was Lawwell's interference. And um, I was must admit, I was really shocked when he came back. And kindly, like Mason's support, thought, oh, he's obviously come back. Because he's been promised a bigger budget, he's been promised the interference, and of course neither of the two has happened. But I also think there is very little to suggest to me that the game hasn't passed Brendan Rodgers by. We've seen it with all these kind type of managers. You know, it happened to Jose Mourinho, it happened to Rafa Benitez. You know, the game moves on. It's pure and simple. And you need to adapt or die. Um. And so looking at Brendan Rodgers, I mean, you know, he he has got an arrogance about him. He thinks he can coach any player into a better player. I would argue that Matt O'Reilly is the only one that's looking better than since he came. Kyogo looks a shadow of himself, even though I know he's carrying a shoulder injury, but that's no good to us. Um, and also, his formations are baffling. I don't know. You know, we, when you had Ange Postacoglu, you had introverted fullbacks who pushed into midfield and, and gave, took up spaces at midfielders and all that. Couldn't block, basically. Now, what you've happened is he's pulled the fullbacks back and he's undermined wingers who aren't even as good as the ones that we used to have. And I'm going to say there's two that we used to have that, are, that should be there. Obviously Jota, we know that, but Haksibanovic as well. Far better than any of the wingers we've got at Celtic right now. And I'm not counting Maeda as a winger, a badder yet to be seen. But that guy done a job for Celtic when he came on the pitch, etc, etc, etc. We just couldn't get rid of him quick enough. And it's confused the position of people like Palmer and Yang and all that. Because they didn't know if their fullbacks are going to come and overlap or go inside or whatever, because it changes wherever they attack, it seems. That's on Rodgers. Out of the players we lost last season, Jota, obviously, um, Starfelt, disaster. Absolute disaster to lose him. And also, obviously, Aaron Moy. None of them have been replaced. Nowhere near quality. And that goes back to the Jackamacus and O thing as well. Always a big trier and all that kind of thing. Nowhere near the quality of Jack and Marcus. And then you, you wonder why you're getting <clears throat> standards of performance, which is a kind of a B movie. 
That's on Rodgers. Now, <clears throat> it could well be the same thing again, the interference, the lack of support and all that. But he must have known this coming into the job. That has to be on him. If he genuinely was arrogant enough to think it doesn't matter who we get, I'll be able to coach some into better players. He's living in cloud cuckoo land. And he's, it's getting to the point where it actually looks like he came in and thought, I'll repair my reputation, I'll sail through the leagues, I'll win a few trophies again and I'll piss off back to the Premier League. Job done. Doesn't work like that. This In Scottish football, no matter good, bad or ugly it is, you need to work. You need to earn it. And right now, we're no doing that on the pitch. And that's a lot today with Brendan Rodgers. Don't underestimate the politics that's gone on as well between Rodgers and Lawwell. I mean, as I say, there's no relationship there. They just don't like each other as people and so on and that. So... What you've got is a political game that's above most fans, myself included, um, you know, where Rogers, you know, wants um, now to have Mary's in people at Lennox Town and in recruitment and is making a point about squad deficiencies. Now, to be honest with you, I hate that kind of thing. But then, as I said in a previous podcast, it was Lawwell that put all these in players in which looks like to undermine Rogers. so who suffers just us maybe important hi Paul hi uh, it's been going through my head the last couple of days just you know thinking about the situation at Celtic um, and I see you and I we chat about it constantly between us so there's certainly no knee-jerk reaction from us. Um, but the way I see it is right now it's just gross negligence by the Celtic board. Absolutely. I mean, if you're in any other line of business, uh, say, for instance, you had a garage that was making great profits and all of a sudden, like a smaller garage, started investing more than you are and uh, you're just letting your garage stagnate. Another garage gets more equipment in and better staff and all of a sudden making more profits and more successful than you. It's basically that's what it is. It's, it's the same if you're looking at it as a business model. Like these cunts, I'm sorry, I can't remember swear on a podcast, but I like, uh, like they do. Like we, um, um, as I say, it's no, it's no, by no means a business to us, but it's, uh, even if you are looking at it in the business angle, that, that is it. It's like, it's gross negligence. Um, to such a position of strength to put are now within a few months is uh, scandalous and I mean as we've said before it's not as if like me like we spoke about this in the summer like what is going on like it was just apathy like just like no signing anybody of any note just uh, ah, everything will be alright and just how uh, coach the players I'm giving and all oh, this jargon um, and they come home to us we could build it like, there's all Ibrox totally masks the, the problems we were having um, and it still has probably got us by slightly to this day because apart from Hearts at Tynecastle and the Athletic Madrid first half at home we've been terrible and I mean you could say the Aberdeen game I we did play well against Aberdeen but uh, at Parkhead and at Pataudry but it was 
Ich habe es noch ein Spektakel, ich habe aber den fucking Rot in der Parkit. Aber nein, es ist der. Ich kann nicht in Rogers himself. To me, it looks like a. It's like buyer's regret. To me. And I hate saying it because I did want him back. Um, I did want him back. I was really delighted when he came back. I thought, just no, just for what he did the previous time because I know circumstances were a lot different. But I just, I just thought, well, there's no way he's coming back unless of. He's been given guarantees and transfer budgets, and then all of a sudden he's this his demeanour is like a just this yes man, like where where did this come from? Um, it's totally worrying, and even his, his post match uh, conferences and, and interviews are like just absolutely baffling. Where, you know, he's saying like they wasn't surprised about the performance and so they will do something about it. Even weeks and weeks, he's the so-called hair dryer treatment at Perth. Didn't he good? The party won, won midweek, and then all of a sudden, rugby party the next week. You were quite happy with the performance. Come on, we get beat. Fucking, oh, unbelievable. Uh, so I, that's that's uh, the situation as like as far as I see it, mate. But also, I was I was kind of thinking of the actual team, and through the years we've had players that you know snarl and get in their faces, going back to. I know probably you're not his biggest fan, but Peter Grant back in the day, you had players that like you know didn't like them and were they were they scared to let them know that? Even going back as recent as like Alan Thompson and Sutton and these guys, dare I say Lennon, um, had guys that snarled and were in their faces, and and uh, even more recent like Scott Brown, uh, Mikel Lustig and Griffiths and that. But who have we got now? It's, it's far too nice. We've got Napier there now. You look at that team. Who, who? Like always, the players are like, oh, I hate them. They play for Rangers and they hate them. Plays for Celtic. Who have we got? They would actually like rivals them. Napier. We're all just too nice. Um, so, aye, it's massively concerning, mate. Um, as I say, we're going into this next. I mean, I think a lot of people are forgetting this modern game. A lot of people are saying the next three games, but that could be a, we could be an absolute span on the works. That one, uh, keep still got a love streak, but uh, Paisley Park or whatever the hell it's called now. Um, but that, that's certainly no means a, a gimme, and as I think we previously hit on, going back 36 years ago, uh, when we beat Rangers at Celtic Park in the uh, centenary game, uh, New Year centenary year. And uh, then the next Saturday we, we drew it at Love Street. So we just need to be very wary and we need to go into this ne- these next four games. And I'm thinking minimum of 10 points out of 12. It's the only way we'll, uh, you know, we can be really positive going into the, the new year. Uh, I, I honestly think Saturday will take care of itself. I think we will hammer Livingston. You know, I just hope I do not eat my words here, but I think we will hammer Livingston. But Boxing Day Dens is a, a really different kettle of fish. That is another, another uh, dangerous, dangerous game. Uh, and I honestly think the Rangers game will take care of itself. I think we could we could have the ground running in that as well. Um, it could. Uh, I've no really fears about that game, but um, I think I think uh, that, as I say, I think it will take care of itself, but. Aye, St Mirren as well, it basically could be a toughie, but um, it's, as I say, I think it would have been far more concerning had we been level and 
spread them in a discapitulation by the fact that we had that seven point gap or whatever it was and okay we've frittered it away but it's just neck and neck now we're no we're no hand in the title or by any stretch uh, but it's going to be a very interesting few months if anything that's made the title race that bit more exciting but let's face it none of us want that Jamie talks about the business party um, Celtic. We, we, what are all these high-powered business types that we're supposedly going to board actually doing? Well, it's the business model of Celtic. Because it seems to me that the business model is we get companies to give us money, whether it's for catering or strips or our own merchandise or anything like that, and then we enable them to get that money back from the fans. Can anybody tell me the business plan's any different? The hotel's been shelved. Hertz made a million pound in four months from their hotel that they put at Tynecastle. The museum has been shelved, whereas the Huns have put one up, no problem. A club with a rich tapestry history like Celtic, no museum. But it's been mentioned in this pod, money's gone to Barrafield, money's gone to Lennoxtown. Why? Because they had their election of duty. Because these places should have been improved years ago. I've been banging on about this podcast for years. Lennox Town is a fucking disgrace. It is not fit for purpose. Either is Barrafield, so money's gone on it. But this is the thing. They just never spend money. If there's money going on this, you, then you see there's no money going on players. And let's face it. You know, you want to talk about money for players. We did not even spend the money that we brought in for Jota. In the summer. We did not even spend that money. Forget the money we brought in for, for Starfelt. Forget the money we brought in for season ticket sales. Forget the money we've got in from the Champions League. Forget the money we brought in sponsorship. We didn't even spend the money we brought in for Jota. So, the state of Celtic, the now, where do you start with this? Um, completely and utterly divided. That's... That that's where we are the new the boardroom, the management, to on the pitch, to the stands, everything, everything were just totally fractured. Um, things came ahead there at the the Hearts game, which wasn't a surprise because let's not beat about the bush. That wasn't a one-off performance. That was, I mean, that's been coming for a while, and it leads us on to where we are the new. And the reason that we we're going to beat our Hearts at home and. Kilmarnock fucking twice in the one season now in the space of a couple of months is because we're replacing players like Jota with Mikey Johnson and fucking hell James Forrest is getting brought on to save the day and you've got Joe Hart in goal you've got Greg Taylor at left back all these people we knew weren't they good enough for another season at Celtic they weren't they good enough for the last season the season before well that's maybe been a bit harsh under Ange aye okay Taylor and uh, Picard they, they stood up but I mean just look at us the new just look where we are I mean when was the last time you watched a Celtic game and you seen us gone 2-0 behind and and you knew after 20 minutes that the game was finished That that's on the board That that's one that brings us on to the board and they're the people responsible for replacing decent players good players with Inferior is the best I can say to be kind to them. Inferior players, um, they, they, they've driven a wedge this season between us all. Totally and utterly driven a wedge. Whereas I was saying to Paul, 
um, the other day there that sometimes when when you get something at Celtic, it's it's just so much bigger than what's happening on the park. Uh, the seismic issue, and for me this season, the the thing that it stood out is the, the obviously the Palestine flags, the banning of the Green Brigade. The board have brought this upon us. They have they have built that divide there, and as the saying goes, a house divided can't stand. We're only going to fall. There doesn't seem to be a way forward. We're just plodding along. We're plodding along. 20 years, 20-odd years at Celtic for Peter Lawwell. I mean, holy fuck. Look at the catastrophe, sorry, we've had in that time. Aye, we've done quadruple trebles. We've done this and that and everything else. But let's be honest here. We've had a hell of a lot more feelings than we should have done in on own name that is that that's on name so we need to get rid we need to get rid of these guys they don't really care about you or me or they're caring about is a public image and I mean the straw that broke the camel's back for me is standing with, with the, the mainstream western media the, the US and Israel when people are getting slaughtered, they, they stood up and they they say that's the route they're going to do, which goes against the vast majority of our fans. Thousands and thousands and thousands is, and that's who's fucking representing us the new, which is the biggest, biggest disaster you can imagine. It's not like your Robert Kelly's, the people that fought for the club, Jimmy McGrory, people that knew what it was like. No, we're just, we're just a laughing stock in Europe. We're getting rolled over with fucking pish fucking teams at home we've got the board who are dividing the fans no giving a shit bringing out fucking five strips a season or whatever what more do we need to know that all they're caring about is the money side yet but where do we go for here that's the worry as well where do we actually go are we going to pod along we've got a few games there's a few more games to go before the, the transfer window opens up in January but I mean what kind of damage could be done between now and then and holy fuck but totally 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 and utterly divided that's the only way I can sum up Celtic the new in a way that I've never seen before and that's I'm 41 there's a hell of a lot of people that's seen a lot worse than me and everything else and we can compare it to this and that and everything else but personally for me I've, I've never seen as just totally in so many different corners of our room when it comes to the fan base and where we're all standing the new as well and it's bewilderment because we all know where we should be we all know where we should be in a position of strength if we didn't have all these maribors and malmos and fucking moulds and everything else all these this is why we're where we are the new and we know the people responsible who do not represent me and maesties that I know we're kind, we need to get rid and then only when we get rid can we maybe look to start going, doing a different route and saying right this is the way we need to go we need to spend money, we need to just stop holding the cash and fucking build on any success that we're, we're getting because we've no, we've just been plodding along and plodding along and once Ange was told basically no we're, we're going to do this and that to Barrafield and Lennox Town instead of giving you what you want and continuing the progress that you've showed then it, there's only been done. It's been a downward spiral for then on. Uh, so hopefully there'll be a wee end of season podcast where all of this becomes irrelevant and we're sitting with a double. 
only time will tell. Um, but for me, I'd urge every one of you to say enough is enough against this board, against Peter Lawwell, and say, get the fuck out of Celtic now.
The recruitment at Celtic in the summer was nothing short of disgrace and um, with the wealthy information that's available now, everybody I knew and spoke to about Celtic and talked to about Celtic were saying the same, where are we getting these, this garbage for? Um, you know, guys with hardly any proven track record whatsoever, pedigree and completely lacking in experience. <clears throat> You know, we, that's the only way you'll compete in Europe is with experienced players. And we didn't seem to have any interest in that whatsoever. People have debated about who they'd keep. Who they, in all honesty, I wouldn't keep any of them. I would not keep any of them because most of them I've seen shouldn't even be in a squad. The ones that do get in a squad, like Palmer and Yang, nah, I'm sorry, not consistent enough. Um, didn't really need, they seem to didn't really understand the ethics of the game, particularly Yang. I don't think he, he he looks like a player that's never even seen a football match before, never even played in one. Um, we're desperately needing firepower. You know, Kyogo, as I said before, shoulder injury, but he's, to me, he's, he's been turned as well. Oh, raw, you know, tries, but lacking in basic ability. Um, Mikey Johnson I mean if I need to explain to you why he should not be in a Celtic jersey then you're obviously um, stumbled across this podcast by accident um, Maeda I definitely keep um, Abada as well aye but you know now will be the time for him to step up when he comes back but we need, we need guys that can put the ball in the net um, if Hatati's going to piss about when he comes back we need that third man in midfield again because when Hatati or whoever was not there last year, Aaron Moy could step in and run the show. He's not there anymore. The full-backs, Greg Taylor has to go. No good enough, never been good enough. Everybody knows how to play against them. Centre-halves are OK. Carter Vickers, aye. Scales, you know, I'm not going to judge them on a few games, good or bad, so remains to be seen. Alistair Johnson, for me, is way off the boil a bit. Um, and Joe Hart should have been replaced in the summer. We all know that. Don't you know the talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know Talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know Talking about a revolution sounds Gonna rise up, get their share. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there.
The Academy. I mean, Jesus Christ, are we the only fans that are all the name bother talking about players coming through? We've been gaslit that much with this. And here's the reality. We've got Chris McCartney on it for years, hopeless. All his mates around him, hopeless. We have let go better players than we've produced. And I'm talking about Andy Robertson, I'm talking about Aaron Hickey, and I'm talking about Ben Doak. <laughs> I mean, straight away, that's enough to be like, mm, maybe you didn't know what you're doing. But of course, no. Lowell's got his men in there, that's all it matters. And let's not forget as well, Gordon Strachan was brought in, whether you like that or not, to oversee everything. He did, he went around everything, overseen the lot, was there for a few months, came back, told them all, this is what needs to change, this is what needs to happen, this is what needs to be upgraded, etc, etc. And not a single thing was implemented, because of course by that time, they had got rid of Dominic Mackay, who was sent into modernising, basically came in after a month or so and said um, everything needs to modernise and they were kind of like what and they were like he was like everything the shop the stadium everything that you do has to modernise and they went let's get rid of him
the word nepotism gets bandied about Celtic quite a lot for obvious reasons. You know, you've obviously got Peter Lowell and son, Dermot Desmond and son, you've got Gordon Strachan's son, Gavin Strachan, Gordon Strachan being part of that in crowd. But there's things that run deeper. You know, you look at the things and there's just lack of freshness and dynamism at the club. You look at the career trajectory, somebody like Tony Hamilton, he starts off as a stadium announcer and then he becomes commentator for Celtic TV and then he becomes a columnist for the Celtic View and then he becomes the chairman of the Celtic Foundation. Bizarre. You've got John Paul Taylor, who was the assistant ticket office manager, then he was a ticket office manager, then he left, and then he came back after complaining about certain things and was given the SLO role. But when they gave him the SLO role, which was a UEFA demand that Celtic needed one, they didn't give him any staff, any support, and so subsequently he becomes the go-to person, one person for the entire Celtic support. But probably the most bizarre one is at one time you had Kevin McQuillan as head of marketing, Kerry Keenan as head of multimedia, Kevin McQuillan leaves, so Kerry Keenan takes marketing under her umbrella as well as the multimedia, then Kerry Keenan leaves, and who takes over multimedia and marketing? Kevin McQuillan. Hi everyone, it's Naz here. Uh, just uh, putting my thoughts uh, down on the current state of affairs uh, at Celtic, uh, particularly the last uh, few weeks or so. Um, I'll start by saying how many times have we seen this movie before? Only Celtic can come off a record-breaking season and uh, within six months have us pending for the last manager. He, uh, Ange, left... Uh, uh, a treble winning team uh, obviously we lost a few players in there but uh, given the, the core of that team uh, we should be doing a lot better uh, shouldn't be misfiring and underperforming as we are there's clearly issues uh, with uh, how the team is being managed and that lands squarely at uh, the management team so the management team um, well Brendan Rogers really because uh, uh, the buck stops with the manager um his uh, management style has uh, led to a lot of questions being asked, uh, people talking about um, body language, uh, the lack of motivation, the bizarre uh, lineups and uh, changes. Um, but the bottom line is that uh, he said yes to the Celtic job. The Celtic job. This, this isn't just any old team. This is our team. He's wax lyrical, and if you can believe a word of... Uh, what he actually says about his uh, love for Celtic and uh, unfinished business and whatever. Talking about team selections, um, persisting with uh, Mikey Johnson. I've really had high hopes for, for Mikey Johnson doing something this season, but throwing him in at the deep end and keeping him in there, even there's even other options available. Skills. Now, let's not forget, this is the same skills that was... Um, a ball here away from uh, being sent back to Aberdeen and he has persisted with playing him uh, even though he's uh, regressed in form uh, not having a left back available um, Bernabe uh, for all his uh, 
issues, uh, not even being in the Champions League squad. This is almost tantamount to gross negligence and we're back to the same leaking stories to uh, the press and having to deal with that. And uh, the board themselves uh, are not uh, shy in uh, doing the same thing. And uh, that takes me on to the board. Uh, the only world-class levels that we seem to have at Celtic is when it comes to the boardroom salaries. We had a micromanager CEO who's now chairman. How is that even allowed to happen? From what I gather, it's, uh, it's not the done thing. But uh, anything goes at Celtic, and especially when uh, Didi um, wants his uh, man in, uh, in the boardroom. The board, their disdain for the fans, clearly seen with the shocking treatment of the Green Brigade and uh, the continuation of uh, having uh, what was... Uh, the atmosphere in the teams sucked out of the stadium uh, because of their, uh, their their war with the fans. Uh, they, they should have this. They had the same uh, anger and drive uh, the, with the Green Brigade that they did with uh, the authorities in this game, um, in this country rather. Uh, we would uh, we would be a lot happier with uh, how they would be conducting themselves and uh, the money they seem to think that they are uh, they're, they're they're earning and uh, due. Problem is, uh, there's no new blood or thinking. Um, the same names uh, are there year in, year out. Even when people leave, they, they, they bring them back. It's the same cliques and uh, same gene pool that they're, they're still looking to um, push the club forward. They dipped their toe in and tried uh, uh, with uh, Don Mackay being uh, the CEO, but uh, they bend him within, a, within what was weeks with an NDA. Uh, to make sure that uh, the stories weren't leaked out. Now, they survived uh, the 10 in a row debacle because uh, the fans backed Ange and uh, wanted to back the team. They should have paid the price then. But uh, even when you look at uh, Ange and uh, how that all came about, there is no plan when it comes to the board. There never is. Think back to chasing Eddie Howe when he was flashing a little bit of EPL leg at the board right up until he knocked them back to take the job uh, with uh, Newcastle. Um, yeah, and if Pendred Rodgers was to go tomorrow, they wouldn't have the first clue on what to do, where to go or who to bring in. This is why we actually needed to have a director of football and a, and someone who can overhaul the, the football operations top to bottom. But that's not going to happen because that means paying somebody and also relinquishing control, which we know they don't want to do. So, with everything that's happening, that brings me to the, the fans. Quite right to voice a displeasure at the football that we've seen. Uh, we've sampled Ange Ball and uh, this sideways horseshoe death by a thousand passes just doesn't cut it anymore. It doesn't excite, doesn't uh, get us going and... Uh, you can see that uh, week in, week out. We put our money into the club, um, including that dumpster fire of a season uh, for 10 in a row. Um, we're, we're not getting value for money. Not not by a long shot. So the fans are quite right to stand up uh, for the Green Brigade, quite right uh, to stand up and voice a displeasure at the board. And uh, the only way this is going to change uh, and, and by this mean getting real change in the boardroom will happen by uh, fan power now there will be a majority in there that will renew season tickets and go along
But if the football continues to be as bad as it is, then those banners that they had up when Ronnie was in charge will need to be dusted down and brought back out. Once it hits him in the balance sheet, this is where we're going to see change. But this change needs to be seismic. It will be hard, but then again, fighting for changes. That's why a lot don't do it. They don't do it unless their passion and drive can be harnessed. Sell for change, anyone? Hail, hail. One of the key aspects of what's went wrong at Celtic and what's been wrong is the amount of time people have been there. You know, in terms of any box you want to tick, they have all been there too long. And there are parallels all over the place, but I'll take you to one of my favourite TV shows, which is The Sopranos, the best TV show of all time. If you watch that, and if you've been a fan of that and have seen every season right up to the end, what you're watching is the the descent into madness of Tony Soprano. He's been in power and in, in the boss for so long that by the end of the, the last season, he, he has gone mad. You know, he's lost all empathy. He's lost all humanity. He's lost all sense of reason. And it's just about maintaining power that's all it is and if there's a threat to that he will try and eviscerate it completely and the comparisons are there with the current situation at Celtic that they just will do anything and everything to maintain power and often in the past I've seen this with so many Celtic supporters they've put these Peter Lawwell and Dermot Desmond types on pedestals as if somehow they're on a higher plane to everybody else and that they know everything is right and they kind of always know what to do and things like that. And it doesn't work like that. You know, you've only got to look at the people who are at the top of the tree right now in the world or get to the top of the tree, whether it's Elon Musk or Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin, What's the common denominator? They're all fucking insane. You know, I mean, they didn't have a shred of empathy for anything or humanity or a soul or show any emotion. It just doesn't matter to them what they say, what they do. There's no compassion in their soul. So if you think that they're sitting there now thinking, oh God, we really need to fix this, then you're wrong. Hi everybody, Thayden Warren here in Dublin with my uh, State of the Nation address, as it were. Um, State of Celtic Football Club, and I shouldn't be giggling when I'm saying that because there's nothing to to giggle or laugh about at the moment as a Celtic fan, um, given the last few weeks or given the season as a whole, really, so far. Um, again, I must qualify my my contribution here um, by saying it's, it's really from my armchair view, um, watching the matches here on, on telly or on a laptop when I have access to uh, to games that aren't shown on Sky, um, Champions League matches, um, the players currently at Rogers' disposal, um, where do you start with this season? Um, the old adage with a manager never go back. 
um, the more the weeks go on you have to wonder what was Rogers thinking in coming back given that you know Lowell was still running the show at Celtic Park uh, it seems bizarre that Brendan would come back um, I mean supporters were reticent enough about Brendan coming back at all given how he he skulked out the back door in, initially um, when he'd won seven trophies um, and it seems it seems pretty clear as Paul has alluded to in uh, in recent podcasts as well that, that Peter Lawwell is completely running the show there um, if uh, if it seems uh, if uh, and that seems this seems to make sense what Paul said also that Ange what Paul heard from a very an impeccable source that Ange wasn't 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 given uh, money to spend to strengthen the team for for Europe that that's a real fucking red flag you know um, for any present manager as it was Ange at the time or any incoming manager for that matter that he's not going to be given money to spend. Um, this is Celtic we're talking about. We have, what is it, 60, 70 million in the bank. Um, if fans are happy with that situation in modern football, well then, nobody be, should be surprised um, at, what's go- at what's going on in Europe this season, at what's going on the last month um, in particular. Uh, when things aren't right at a football club, uh, you know, chickens begin to come home to roost. And certainly the last month, those chickens not only are coming home to roost, they're, they're pretty much in permanent place there at the moment. Um, the performances have been awful. Yeah, we got a Champions League win last week after so long. Win is a win, as to say, but... Um, Feyenoord we saw in the away game weren't up to much and we had two players sent off in the away leg and still you know they, they weren't able to beat us out of sight really which any decent team would have with, with nine players um, but really you know this, the standard of player in, at Celtic at the moment is not up to the required standard this is Celtic we're talking about Um players left during the season and really haven't been replaced with anything near the proper quality and the quality players we did have under Ange are a shadow of themselves Kyogo in particular um, some say his heart isn't in it I think that's still debatable I think he's trying um, but the style of play which was all action and off the shoulder runs, running in behind under Ange and getting the supply under Ange. He's probably making the same runs and often you see him making a run and his hands are up in the air because the pass isn't forthcoming because it's been passed square or passed back again. The, the Kyogo, I think, is just getting increasingly exasperated with the with the style of play. And then when he does get a chance, because he's only getting one or two chances a game instead of five or six, he's missing them. Um, so like I said I think chickens are really coming home to roost the state the club is in at the moment the, the style of play and as Paul said in a previous pod Brendan as well Brendan has to take a large chunk of responsibility for this season at the moment 
um, the football is it's so pedestrian uh, again I don't think you can level a lack of effort among the players um, you look at Man United and some of their recent performances and there's a clear lack of effort from a lot of their players I don't think you can throw that out to Celtic players um, but the club is in crisis I don't think there's any other word for it given the nonsense with the Green Brigade by all accounts um, the atmosphere in Celtic Park is, is shit at the minute the Green Brigade bring at least noise and a bit of back into the team um, it's toxic it's clearly toxic inside Celtic Park it's clearly toxic between Celtic fans even themselves you know as I say with some just claiming this is only a, a blip or a loss of form it's not uh, they're, they're living in dodo land if they think that's all it is um, something radical needs to happen uh, the board needs an overhaul or to be run out of the club uh, I'm really fearing the ones are going to do a treble this year um, the league is there for the taking for them the manager seems to know what he's doing and we're back to shit football akin to the, the 10 in a row season it's pretty depressing folks it's pretty depressing as we go into the new year um, faithful through and through but that's not much use if the, if the club is a shambles and it's a fucking shambles at the moment it's very disappointing hell hell folks happy Christmas and new year we have a very very strange support Um I don't know if other team supporters are like this where the kind of online branch of supporters is totally different to the ones you meet at games and in pubs and all that kind of thing. Um, I was in the main stand for the Hearts game and there was a cry went up from the boys. I'm assuming I couldn't see them but I could hear them singing stand up for the Green Brigade. And a guy in his late 50s stood up three, four rows in front of me and had the veins popping out of his neck shouting, fuck off, you scumbag bastards, and all the rest of it, it the chanting of that. And I was kind of like, well, you know what? All right, if you didn't like the Green Brigade, fair enough, but really, that's the anger that provokes you. And it's something that, you know, it baffles me that we have such a divided house deliberately divided obviously because that's what the club want to do when our, isn't our aims and objectives the same don't we all want the team to be successful don't we all the team to play good football don't we want to, don't we all want to um, adhere to the objectives and the ideals of the formation of the club and the, the fact that it was to feed and clue, clove the poor immigrant Irish uh, Glasgow East, East End but also to act as a vehicle for Irish home rule and to protect our identity and our culture and our poetry and our writers and our language. Don't we all want that? Is that no part of the reason why you support Celtic? Is that no part of the things that sustain you through the bad times? And Chris Kajawa said it on this podcast earlier on, they're trying to destroy all of that. Our board right now are trying to destroy all of that. They have no interest in having any kind of cultural identity that identifies with things like the Irish diaspora around the world or, you know, the revolution in Ireland in 1916, the GEA, um, all the great writers and 
poets, Eamon De Valera sending a fl- an Irish tricolour over to Celtic Park to replace a 30-year-old flag. They want nothing to do with that. Nothing. But of course, they will milk the Irish support and the Irish aspect of the club if there's a pound note in it. But I am no prepared to stand back as a Celtic supporter and watch that part of my life and that part of my history and that part of my culture and tradition be eroded by a bunch of Tory fucking scumbags. You know, that's who you should have your veins popping out your neck for and calling scumbags. The people that sit in the director's box that have nothing in common with you, that have heated driveways and cosy seats and comfy relationships and expense accounts and pay increases, these people have absolutely nothing to do with Celtic Football Club. They have brainwashed a, a section of the support into believing that they, as long as they run the club, it's in good hands. Well, it isn't. You know, if you're just happy with their just enough policy where they will win more leagues than we didn't win and all that kind of stuff, what is the point? Why can't we make an impression on European football again? Why can't we engage our support around the world? Why can't we show that as a collective, dedicated and educated support? Let me tell you why. Because all of that is a threat to people that sit on our board that don't have a fucking inclination to any of that kind of stuff. And that is where the battle lies. That's where, you know, when the Green Brigade stand up for Palestinian people, aren't we all going to have something in common with the oppressed people of the world? Aren't we coming for the oppressed people? Didn't we, you know, get off our hands and knees and form this football club and create an identity for Irish and Scottish people in Scotland that they could be party, that it could be celebrated and embraced? Isn't that why Celtic Football Club is so magical? Because for them, it's all about a pound note. And it's never been about a pound note for me. It's been about the team, the support, the passion, the culture, the identity, the songs, the poems, all the magical stuff, all the stuff you were brought up on. And if you weren't brought up on it, all the stuff that embraced you when you came to Celtic Park and you were part of something that was wonderful, each aspect of that has been eroded by a board that could not care less because they all live in mansions and drive Bentleys and get chauffeur-driven and security everywhere. They didn't have to use any of the facilities at Celtic Park, eat the fucking soggy pies, stale pies and warm juice and all that kind of stuff. They didn't fucking ever have to... Remember that. You, you watch them coming for that car park at Celtic Park, a car park that they asked supporters to lobby for so we could build a hotel and museum and turn it into an executive car park for themselves. Look at the expressions on their faces when they have to walk for that car park to the front door. All it says is, why do I have to walk through these peasants? Because they are no part of us. And pretty soon, if we didn't stop this and we didn't get rid of these people for Celtic Football Club, it will just be another team. It will just be, we don't care who fills the seats as long as they pay the money. It will just be the same crappy songs that every fucking club sings. And it will only be Celtic. Well, you've heard it there, folks. Passionate voices and uh, a lot of real strength in what they were saying. So with that in mind, I'd like to dedicate this last song to Peter Lawwell. <laughs> 
I'm a creep I'm a 